As I mentioned in my sermon last week, if you were uh, at one of the services I was at, I said next week is the first Sunday of the season of Advent, this next week coming up, uh, when we start our church year over. And this week of the year, in effect on this Sunday, we are celebrating the end of the story of our God, the happily ever after. We remember that Christ is the King. That isn't a hope. It's an absolute truth. It is already done, and he is reigning in heaven. And one day, we do not know when, at the end of this age, he will reign over a new earth as well. Now, Christ the King Sunday is actually one of our newer feasts. You don't see it in our prayer book until 1979. It was instituted in 1925 by Pope Pius XI, of the Roman Catholic Church, and it was in the it was in um, or it was then that he was in put, instituting it in response to Mussolini and the rise of fascism. And it should not be lost that this was a time of great upheaval in our world. In 1925, they ha- they were coming out of World War One, but the policies that were being instituted across uh, Europe and the leaders of Europe were of of a disturbing nature. And so the Pope responds with instituting Christ the King Sunday because there was deep conflict between earthly kingdoms. Now, if you look over history, it will seem that actually our earth has been in deep conflict almost from the beginning of history, and they continue on into our modern day. And there is a time now in our modern era era that we need to be remember that we need to be reminded that evil no matter how deep and dark it seems to be has already been overcome and will be obliterated by uh, by good so i want to put the gospel in context we're looking at matthew chapter 25 and jesus is teaching on how the end of the age will come we do not know when and how we are to act in the meantime. We live in what uh, people call the now and the not yet. And did you know that the lessons in Matthew 25 are the very last lessons that Jesus teaches before he goes to the cross, according to the Gospel of Matthew? If you look at 26, Matthew 26, verse 1, you will see that Matthew reminds us that in two days, our Lord will go to his death. And so these very last lessons to his disciples before the the Last Supper and the Passion are very important lessons. And what Jesus is telling us is that he is, or telling them, is that he is going to go away, he's going to be killed, but then he will come back. Now, they don't really want to talk to him about his leaving but they are all about talking to him about what will happen when he comes back. If you'll remember, they're concerned with the thrones that they're going to have in heaven. And they like to think about things like that. And so Jesus tells them that only the Father knows when the end of the world will be and when he will come back and bring in the new age. And he is also clear that while he is gone, He wants his followers to act in a certain way. And that's what gets us 
to Matthew 25. He starts with the parable of the virgins who are waiting for the bridegroom with their lamps and told to be ready for their master who will come at an unexpected time like a thief in the night. And then we have the parable of the talents that we covered last week. The people who get five talents, two talents, one talent. The talents are our life, not just our money, so much more. And when the Lord returns, he wants, to, he wants to find us using our entire life for him, creating abundance for the kingdom of heaven. Not things, but people, followers of Jesus, faithful people. And then finally, we get to today's parable. When all is said and done, Jesus will be looking at how each one of us cared for the poor and the needy, the lonely, the strangers, and the prisoners. This passage is clear. Our God is watching them and lives with them and identifies with them. They are members of his family. These are the lessons from our Lord on how we are to live as we wait for him. What we are to do with our life, how we treat people, especially the poor, the oppressed, and those experiencing trouble. In some ways, all of this will determine whether we are sheep or goats, and we don't know how all that's going to work out. But in very simple terms, the Lord is telling us how we live matters. Now, as I was reflecting on this story, I was reminded of the story, The Prince and, Pop and the Pauper. It was written by Mark Twain. And you will remember, this is the story where the prince wants to go outside the castle to see life on the outside. So he exchanges places with a, poor uh, with a poor lad, a little boy who looks like him. And the prince goes and he lives among the poor of his kingdom and he learns very quickly how hard the world can be outside the bubble of his palace. What he sees and experiences, it completely changes how he rules his kingdom. It's summed up well in the, in the introduction that Mark Twain uses to this story. It's a, it's a little passage that he got from Shakespeare in The Merchant of Venice. Shakespeare says, the quality of mercy is twice blessed. It blesses him that gives and him that takes, the mightiest in the mighty, and it becomes the throned monarch. It becomes the throne monarch better than his crown. Our Lord came, the future king of all, to live among the poor. And as he did, he grew in knowledge and grace as to the plight of the poor. Now, there are some people who believe that Jesus was omniscient from the moment he was born as a child, because after all, he is God, fully human, fully God. Others, and I tend to be in the second group, believe that our Lord grew in knowledge and wisdom and grace, and he did it perfectly because he was completely in tune with the will of his Father. And so he gained great and perfect wisdom as he grew. Through all of this, we have to remember that he was living among the poor and the outcasts, and he spent his entire ministry there among the poor, the strangers, the sinners. 
We have to realize, therefore, that this deep love and care for them and his teachings this morning to us about caring for the poor and the outcasts, here, are, here at the end of his life, his final words, saving the best for last, are extremely important lessons to, to our Lord. And he wants to share this with us. And from these lessons, he is clear. How we live our life matters. How we share our lives matters. What we do with our stuff matters. What we focus on as we live and make our decisions, what we use for our guiding principle matters. And he is clear. It is supposed to be God and his ways. When my daughter Sadie was a little girl, I think she was three years old, I took her to this jewelry store in Bromberg's, called Bromberg's, it's in Birmingham, and it's a really nice, fancy uh, jewelry store. And she wanted to get me, it was Christmas time, and she wanted to get me a present. And so we're walking around, and she's looking at everything, and she's looking at all the jewelry, and she says, how about that, Mama? And I said, no, that that's, costs a lot of money, and I told her the number, and she's like, whoa, that's really expensive loud enough for the entire store to hear it, of course. And I said, well, how about something like, and she found a little crystal angel. And I was like, that is perfect. I would love that as a Christmas present. And so she looks at me, and I paid for it. And then she was like, and then she gave it to me. Okay. You know, the same goes for us. Everything we have, everything we use and share and give to another it's only because God has placed us here and gifted us with life here, with our talents here, and our resources here. And it is where we are supposed to be. And it is the, where we are supposed to use our talents for God as we help those who live around us to build them up and provide for their needs and their well-being. Children get this lesson, and we can learn from them to share your, how to share your stuff and be kind. You know, it's pretty funny. This morning I had the joy service, and now I have this service. And it's the same gospel. We, say, we share the same gospel with the kids at joy. And so this morning I talked to them about sharing food and water and blankets and toys. And before I could barely get started, this one little guy, he was probably about that big, so probably three or four, he turns to his mom and he says, we could help the man under the bridge. He got it before I had even gotten going. And then I told them about sharing toys and I had a little stuffy marshmallow thing and I had this little other toy and I had food and water and blankets and I showed them all these things that we could share with people. And they loved that I was gonna give this little stuffy toy. They all had them, they're the marshmallow pillows, squish pillows, yes, that's exactly what they are. And they, were, they loved the fact that they had them and they loved them and that we could share them with other children who did not have one, these lovely little pillows. And so the kids were delighted with the thought that they could help people with, and children around them. Kids get the lesson. The message of the Lord is, however, that we are all called to do this from the time we are three years old to the time that we're 99 or even more. 
Because the world is filled with so many people with so many needs. Necessities, housing, yes. But also friendship, emotional support, faithful support. And our Lord knows that it takes all of us to care for that many people who are in need. That is why it is a call to individual ministry. We cannot depend on others to take care of the problem. Jesus is looking to each one of us to do our part in caring with the people of this world. And our Lord is sneaky because he knows that when we draw near to others in love to share a blessing with them, the blessing is twofold. Shakespeare got it right. The person who receives the blessing receives mercy, love, kindness, and perhaps the things that we share with them. But the giver also receives a blessing in return, perhaps gaining a new friend, but definitely recognition from our Lord who returns our love in that generous act of sharing and giving. The Lord returns to us his love. Because when we draw near to others in, uh, with faith, rooted in love, the love of our Lord, I guarantee you we will meet love in return. And it will be returned to us fivefold and even tenfold. The hope of our Lord, after all, is that both the giver and the receiver will accept his love and pass it on. That is how the kingdom of heaven works, and that is precisely how it will grow. Now, last week, I encouraged the people at our 7.30 and 5.30 services to take stock of their life of faith at the end of this church year and to consider making resolutions for the new church year that is about to begin next week. And so I suggest it to you all as well. And I suggest that you include times of prayer, hopefully daily, in your life. Times of reading scripture, hopefully daily, in your life. But also how you are living in relationship with others and how you are caring for those who are poor in spirit or things. You know, that's, I think, why the St. Michael goal for our church is creating disciples who will impact our community. Living out our call together, working together, yes, but also individually as disciples in this time of now and not yet. Living out these final lessons of our Lord. Because in the end, the words in Matthew 25 are instructions from our Lord to follow his very simple commands. To love God and to love our neighbors. Full stop, all day, every day in everything that we do. He is calling us to be good citizens of the kingdom of heaven, the truest, most solid kingdom of all, and his everlasting kingdom that has its roots here. It will continue in heaven, where we will finally be with him. Because we know the end of the story as we wait for it to come. It's beautifully predicted all over scripture. 
in both the Old and the New Testaments. And so I want to close with the passage from the Revelation to John. As we end up this church year together. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. And the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, See, the home of God is among mortals. He will dwell with them. and They will be his peoples. And God himself will be with them. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Mourning and crying and pain will no, be no more, for the first things have passed away. And the one who is seated on the throne said, See, I am making all things new. And also this, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give water as a gift from the spring of the water of life. Happy New Year. Amen.